ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape, and this is Black Base Baseball Mixtape Talk. I'm very, very excited to be joined by Blake Beamer. Blake Beamer has been recently named the head coach of Butler University. We're so excited. For people that don't know, there are going into this upcoming baseball season, collegiate baseball season, there are 299 Division I baseball programs. Of those 299, there are only 12 black head coaches. And Coach Beamer is one of them. He is going to be starting this new season. We're so excited to have him. Welcome to the program, Coach. Chiefs, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here with you today. Now, I saw you shake your head already when we talk about the numbers of Division I baseball programs and the number is only 12 and 12 is new. 12 has gone up from 10 because you are one of two new head coaches that will be uh, an African-American head coach in Division I baseball. Before you even think of everything else, have you have you had chance a chance to put that in context to to kind of reflect to say, man, there's only a few of us out here? I think uh, the biggest thing is I, I've had a chance just because just because you recognize it, right? You, you recognize the state the game's in and you understand that um, there just aren't aren't enough African-American or black head coaches. You, you see it, there's not enough black assistant coaches. Um, and so when you get hired and you realize that you're in a, a select category and that it's it's humbling, but man, it makes you shake your head because you're thinking there, there should be so many more um, just because it's such a great game and you want to try and get it infiltrated throughout America throughout your homes, throughout your communities. Uh, and that's what it deserves to do, but it takes work uh, and it takes effort to try and get that number going. Now, there are, we chronicle this all the time. There are black kids playing the game now. There are youth coaches that are usually parents and, and instructional, but there's a lot of black coaches at that level. Even in the major leagues, there seems to be a growth of assistance you know, getting into the game, former players getting into the game. Division one college baseball is one of the rare points of entry that seems to be really, really difficult. And I think it's chronicled a bit. You know, a lot of a lot of programs hire alumni. There's there's just the numbers of college baseball for African-Americans is, has, has always been low. And it seems as if the points of entry are are much more difficult. You You've been coaching for approximately 10 years now, give or take for a little bit over that, but you've been very intentional about being in college baseball that whole time. It's, it's, what do you, what have you seen as being an assistant from Penn state to Eastern Illinois to ball state to down here? What have you seen as kind of the, the challenges of points of entry to encourage more black head coaches? Yeah, I think uh, there's a few things that, when you, when you sit and think about it a lot, you, you've got some time to, to come up with your own theories. Um, so I think you see a lot of head coaches are former catchers and a lot of head coaches are guys that played professionally. Um, and so the number of black catchers is smaller. Um, you don't see a ton of outfield head coaches. I think that's one piece that just one piece of it that goes into it that you got to think about. Um, the fact that you have to start as an unpaid volunteer 
Um, that'll prohibit a lot of people just being able to uh, support yourself on minimal, minimal amounts of money. Uh, I mean, under $10,000 a year mm. when you're first starting out, uh, that makes it tough. And then positionally, uh, I think that's the, the piece of it is to break in. Um, coaches are always looking. I feel like your pitching coach and your catching coaches are the ones that are most sought after. Mm. So those are the guys that get hired into college baseball and they tend to stay in college baseball. Um, and I would just say you're predominantly your black guys playing or are, are seemingly on the infield or the outfield. Um, and just, I would say statistically, there's probably less outfield college coaches than anything. Um, as far as the head coaches go, I could be wrong, but that would be what my gut would say on it. And so I think there's some different factors in it. No, that's the first I've heard of that. And I think you might be onto something uh, tremendous, especially when you talk about the number of catchers, because that, that seems to be something that even today in the major leagues, they talk about the lack of African-American catchers that are playing every day. I think we might have uh, one in the major leagues now. And, and, and he, and I, I saw a stat that was amazing that um, I can't remember the young man's name now and who, who was a starting catcher, but he was like the first starting catcher since Charles Johnson of the, Mar mm -hmm. uh, the Marlins. And I was yep. just like, wow, that's amazing. So I definitely think, I definitely think you're on to something. And it's interesting because you're an outfielder. A pretty solid one. Look, coach, you know, coach, you are you are a young man. Look, look, you are a young man. So guess get this. You're in the era where your highlights are still on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so your your ball state highlights are still on YouTube, where uh, look, where you can see you out there roaming the outfield and, and, and that left look that left-handed batting stance. It's actually pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. but yeah, you are you are a, an outfielder that turned into a coach and turned into a head coach. But I definitely think you're onto something as you process that in regards to some of those points of interest, because I, I really do think you're onto something, especially when you talk about pitchers and catchers and the sought after, how, how does in like programs go about changing that? Do we just kind of expand the field to look for coaches like yourself? Cause you seem to be doing great. I, I think there does. I think there needs to be a, an open conversation and about a dialogue. Cause I think your connotation is always that the catchers understand the game at the highest level because they have to. Well, I just don't think that has to be true because what makes the catcher think about the game more than we thought about in the outfield? You have a lot of time to think in the outfield. I'm just saying you, you can try and process the game at a high level. But again, it's um, and, and that's one of those ingrained, I feel like, folklore is like, man, the catchers are the, the smartest are the ones thinking about it. And you just have to change that narrative and, and you have to be open to the understanding of infielders, outfielders, pitchers. Everybody's talking about the game, thinking about the game at a high level but you have to break the stereotype of it. You have to say, hey, we're going to know the X's and O's, the schematics. We're going to know the pitches. We're going to know the play calling just as well when we see it from the outfield. No different from the catcher. You see the whole field. When you're in center field, you see everybody. Um, but again, you don't get that same, um, the, the same type of love, I guess, from the outside world on, on being able to know the game. But I just think communicating it, being willing to talk the game, being able to listen to more than just the catchers. I think that's important. Um, and part of the entry, right, is when, you, when you're first starting out, you're throwing a lot of the batting practice. And so your outfielders have your longer arm action. So it may not throw as good BP right out the gate. Um, and I, that's one thing that to get jobs, especially early on, especially, and I say this with the most respect, again, I think I'm the youngest head coach in the country, with the most respect to the older coaches, 
it was a requirement at one point to throw good batting practice. Mm. I think when you, with younger coaches, you're used to machine work. You're used to um, finding other ways to get hitters better. But a long time ago, it was, you had to throw good batting practice and it was always assumed catchers with the shortest arm action would always throw the best BP. So the catchers get to work with the hitters. You work with the hitters, you get to keep coaching. So I, I do, I think some of that needs to just, the conversation needs to change where, Outfield guys can throw batting practice. Outfield guys can work with hitters. And if their batting practice isn't good, you can still be a good hitting coach. Yep. I don't think that is a prerequisite that needs to be continued as much anymore. Um, but it takes open conversation. And I just think one of those things that as we continue to move forward, it's something you do have to consider. That is awesome. That, and I think that those perspectives are spot on and, and things that I haven't heard a lot of discussion about. So I, I think that's phenomenal. One of the things that, um, exciting about you um, especially learning about your background quite a bit is that um you were very intentional on saying you wanted to be a head coach since you were 11 years old and been my dream. How, how does that come about and how does that come about and how like how has that always been a thing for you so i i, I tell this jokingly but with enough seriousness because there's some truth to it um if you if you remember the movie the mighty ducks there's adam banks is a star player um in the mighty ducks and charlie conway is the bench player who should be a coach i was always more charlie conway um than adam banks and i just think from a young age i realized i was not going to be a professional baseball player as much as i wanted to uh, my dad had coached at Wright State in Bowling Green, and I just was enamored with the recruiting side, with being able to try and sell guys on vision and try and build a program that way. Um, I've just always thought that that was really neat and, and something I wanted to do from a young age. Hey, Coach, sorry about that. We had a technical issue. And no, no problem at all. Really quick before I change the edit, your light went from on to off. Do you? So I wanted to check to see. Uh, Let me see what I can do about that. Well, oh, there it is. Now it's back on. I just hadn't moved in a while. It's got those motion sensors. I hadn't okay. moved. I apologize. And we are. Um, I'll, I'll cut this part of it because I'm there. I've got a controversy with my studio really quick that was walking in. Let me get a couple of more questions and I want to ask about the Butler program and we'll try to run um, maybe I'll try to run another five to eight minutes, but, uh, but then I'll have to circle back because I want to nope. be able to continue and this. We, and we, we can do this again tomorrow. You tell me if there's a better yeah, day. No, this, no, this is really, really great. Let's matter of fact, let's just do, let's do one more. And I apologize about this. So let me do nope. one no more problem. about the, um, uh, one more about just the challenge of the, the what's new in regards to being a head coach. I heard you talk in the past about, um, you know, the, the new experiences and, and, and people reaching out and, and new challenges every day. Let me talk about that. And then what we'll do is we'll get together. Uh, I'll send you an email to get together. We'll talk specifically about the Butler program. Cause I, no I don't, I want that to be a part of the interview as well. No problem so, at all. No, and I've got more. I've got more. It's just I think the studio we had a res reservation concert, double booking basically. No um, let me see. I'm still recording. I'm going to come right back. I'm going to just jump right into it. So, coach, 
this is the fact that you are so intentional about wanting to do this and now that you're doing this is so awesome and the fact that you've spent like you said nearly 10 years kind of building up to this point whether it was at Penn State or you know the work at Ball State to now but now that you're in the seat (laughs) things change a bit things change a bit uh what are some of the things that are just new that you never thought you'd have to be dealing with heading the Butler program I think you just, you don't realize the amount of people that are going to look to you for answers. Um, everybody from your equipment staff, your strength staff, your assistant coaches, your players, your recruits, everybody wants a piece of your time um, to get answers. And, and there are all things that you have to be able to answer or you have to delegate properly. Um, but just the amount of, of questions about everything, I think I just wasn't ready for. And I, Looking back now, I should have been because I've always asked my head coach a million questions, <laughs> right. but I never really thought about the fact that everybody else was asking him those same questions. Um, and so I think just you get pulled with so many different questions that you do need to answer um, to have the program run in the way you want it to ran, be ran. Um, that's the first thing. I think the fundraising piece, uh, you can help and you can do bits and pieces when you're an assistant. But when you're meeting with people about the the future and people who have invested in the program, that's another another piece that I just I hadn't had enough experience with. And we're hitting the ground running, trying to get some things going here. But um, I'm still drinking out a fire hose. I'm doing the best I can. I can promise you. But it's simple things like when it's your first time, you only know what you know. Um, And this is a a new school at a private school. And so simple things like getting our guys housing is done differently than what I'm used to. And so trying to figure out how the dorms are set up, trying to figure out how to get uh, guys placed, stuff like that, where when you're when you're an assistant or you've been at a place for a few years, it kind of rolls itself. But it's one of those things where it's, oh, yeah, we, we got to make sure guys are housed. We got to make sure guys have their meal plans, like simple things like that that you take for granted when you've been somewhere for a few years that combine that with you're working on with boosters, you're working with your equipment staff, you're working with your field and maintenance. You're working on the schedule. You're working on recruiting. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, you do get asked a lot of questions, and you are you are asked a lot to try and make sure this thing runs the way you want. But so, how do you balance that quickly? How how, how do you balance all? Like, do you just kind of set a schedule where this is more administrative? This because you still got to coach a program, get the boys on the field, on the field. and start yep. winning some games. And that's the most important piece: is you got to be on the field and win games, get guys better. Um, how do you balance it? Day by day, I'm trying. I'm just learning. If anybody has a good answer for me, I've got a to-do list, and I try and prioritize. This, this, this needs to be done today. Cross it off and keep moving. Um, Coach, Coach, it's really funny. I laugh because most, quote-unquote, executives or CEOs, especially new ones, when I, when, I, when I talk to them, the fundraising piece is something that, like – no matter what industry it's in, a lot of times you have to raise money or you have to, mm-hmm. and, and they're just like, like, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know this was even a thing. I didn't get into the, like being, becoming the head of this company. So I have to raise money all the time. I want to run the company. And so mm-hmm. I always, especially when I talk to uh, uh, coaches of programs and things like that, it's like, we have all of these needs and we understand that, you know, even if it's, whether it's boosters or kind of just extra donations can really help with these needs. But I was mm-hmm. like, I still got to like, 
still got to lead and, and coach and do all of those things. It is, it is an amazing task. I am going to switch gears, coach, um, mm-hmm. and ask you about a couple of things after the break. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Blake Beamer, head coach of Butler University. And we'll be right back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to head, Butler University head baseball coach Blake Beamer. Not the pattern is not heavily recruited as a player out of high school, right? Correct. And, and it was you had to take the initiative amongst yourself to send out all of your tapes, right? <laughs> yes, yes, to, I did. To, to coaches and say, "Hey, look, I can play this game," and you got you know you got the opportunity. And the pattern, like I said, you said you're a look, you know, you're aware of it but you had to go and take the initiative for someone that's always wanted to be a head coach. And then you said, Hey, I want to be a head coach. <laughs> and you kind of stepped out. Is it, has this been kind of a, a, a pattern for your life to say, these are my goals. I'm going to go out and get them because it, it, it is not, it's a, it's a unique quality in many ways. It's, it's funny you say it like that. So I, I was a recruiter walk on at ball state, uh, Greg Beals. I owe him everything. He took a chance on me. Um, let me have a good career there, which led me to being where I am today. But I did. I, I went to camp, sent emails, sent the videos, did the whole try to get recruited thing. And then when I'm trying to get into coaching, when you're trying to land the first volunteer spot, you're doing the same thing. So I've wow. got in, in my original Gmail account, I still have all these emails I sent to coaches. Are you kidding me? Just about every school east of the Mississippi I just said, my name is Blake Beamer. I just recently graduated from Ball State. I'm hoping to get into coaching. Do you have a volunteer or a graduate assistant spot that I'd be able to talk to you about? Uh, would love to be in contact. Um, so, I mean, I've got responses from coaches, and I know schools that didn't respond to stuff you don't forget. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, so even just trying to sell myself to be a volunteer and, and Coop taking a chance on me um, at Penn State, and right. it worked out there. And then same thing, I – I've actually never said this before, um, but Edwin got hired at Eastern Kentucky mm-hmm. um, and just following Coach Thompson's career. It's been unbelievable. Um, but he gets hired at Eastern Kentucky, and I reached out to him trying to to get hired on to, to mm-hmm. be a recruiting guy for him because um, when you're a volunteer, you're trying to get a paid job. And sure. So that summer I reached out to a bunch of guys, and Edwin's one I left a message for. I never got back from him. He's – he, he never called me back. I'm not, not salty about it anymore because he's a great mentor of mine. But uh, we'll, have, we'll, have to, we'll have to get, we'll have to shut up, we'll have to track him down. It, it was great because I ended That's up hilarious. at Eastern Illinois in the same conference. That's um, funny. But it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I'm adamant and I, I kind of know what I want to do and I'm not afraid to go out and get it and I'm not afraid to work for it. Um, again, traits I've learned from a lot of great coaches in front of me and, and obviously my parents. So, it's uh, a lot of things have had to come together for me. Well, that's a, that's a funny, uh, funny story in that regard, simply because um, you're reaching out to, to coaches like Coach Thompson. But when this opportunity came out, we are, look, they already broke the news earlier this year uh, that coach, I believe it was Coach Jackson over at Memphis was calling you to yep. see when he got the job. And so it's like all, all full circle moment that as soon as they found out, like you were up for this job, they're like, Oh no, we don't, you know, we're not going to take them. <laughs> we want him, we want him to get the, you want him to get the Butler job. But, and you know, from you having to call out from, you know, your, your early stages of your career to now coaches calling you, it must be a nice feeling. 
it, it's it's definitely different. Uh, it's humbling. Uh, now I understand why Coach Thompson may not have gotten back to me. You can inundate <laughs> it. It's crazy how many people will reach out. Um, so I definitely have a better respect for That's it. That's funny. Um, and an understanding of what goes into it. Well, let's talk. Let's talk Butler baseball. Um, you know, you come into a program that you know. Let's just fr- let's just be frank about this part of it. Uh, there's there's going to be some turnaround. You know, there's a new coach for a reason. You got a new staff for a reason. Uh, some talented, you know, some talented players there. But what's the first thing you do when you say, hey, look, I got to set the tone and this is the way we're going to do things. And hopefully it's going to kind of change the I don't know if it necessarily culture change is the right word, but definitely change what's what's the product on the field. Yeah, I think the the first thing we got to build relationships with our guys um, and get to know them. And then we just have to establish the expectations. Um, I don't think it's so much as a culture issue. We have great kids, but we don't expect enough yet. And I've told the guys all the time, like, our expectation is to win at the highest level. And so what that means, we're going to hold guys accountable to win at the highest level. Um, And I think just with our guys right now, working day in and day out to try and raise those expectations and raise the understanding of what it takes to get there. Um, it's going to be a process. Um, but I think if we can just, and I tell the guys all the time, we're reading the book, chop wood, carry water. If we can get after it day by day and and fall in love with the process of understanding it takes what it takes. We, there's no shortcuts to it. Um, we can get this thing going. I mean, there's everything in here, uh, at Butler university for this place to win at the highest level. Um, it's got an unbelievable academic institution. Indianapolis is an unbelievable city. Uh, it's great recruiting grounds. Uh, the facilities, we've got indoor facility, we've got everything we need to develop at a high level. Um, we can win and we need to make sure our guys understand that's the expectation. It's not just come here and, and play and, and be happy just to be on the field. There's an expectation to win here. Um, and, and we owe it to our alums, we owe it to the teams that came before us, and we owe it to ourselves. Uh, I think we have to do that for ourselves to try and play this game at the highest level we can to try and get the most out of our experience. Can, can you describe to me uh, a Coach Beamer guy and, and how you go about getting those, you know, the people in the program that you feel are Coach Beamer guys? Yeah, I, I, I think they're, they're, they're just tough. Uh, I tell guys all the time, you can win in college baseball with toughness. Um, I would love every guy to, to run a 6-4 and throw 100 from the outfield and be able to hit the balls over the fence at will, but but the biggest thing is I, I want guys that are going to be tough um, because I think if you have toughness, you're going to have resiliency. If you have resiliency, you're going to come day in and day out and keep working um, and you're going to get better. And, and I think that all comes from the, the toughness and tough guys can handle honesty. They can handle criticism. They can handle being coached. Um, all that I think will trend our program in the right direction. Um, and I'm an energetic guy. I, I gravitate towards guys who bring energy, who you know are enjoying being on the baseball field. Uh, I, I think there's something to that. There's something to making the most of every day and, and enjoying it and being around guys that enjoy what they're doing. So if you had a, a Beamer guy, they're, they're tough and energetic and, and hopefully we've got more talent than I did when I was playing. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, look, I don't know about that. You had a pretty good career. You had a pretty good career. Hey, let let me know what is you, you talked about expectations, Butler baseball year one um, under your leadership. What are the expectations? Are the expectations to compete Are the expectations to, you know, elevate several levels postseason? When you talk to the to team at the beginning of the season, say this is what we want to get out of it. 
what what are you looking at? Make no mistake, we we expect to try to compete for a championship. Um, the top four teams in the Big East make the conference tournament. Our expectation is to get there, be, be in the top four, and give us a chance to get to a regional by winning the tournament. Um, it, it's one of those things where I've seen it done. Uh, I was on a part of a team that went from last place to competing for a championship in the conference title game. Um, and so it can be done here and we're trying to make the top four, just make the big East tournament and see what we can do. Um, and it's going to take just relentlessness uh, and an unbelievable effort and make sure that we get our execution down. But if we can make the top four, once you get in the tournament, anything can happen. And we're trying to get to a dog pile there at Prasco park and, and see what we can do from there. What should the, I know what you expect. I know what you expect out of your players. I know what you expect out of your team. Uh, what What do you expect and vice versa with your relationship with the Butler baseball fans? Um, obviously, every you want every home stadium to be a tough place to play, but you know that that's those are always a relationship. I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes programs make the mistake of oh you know you're our school you should you're supposed to support us and there's not that much of a relationship the best ones that you see are teams with the fans in a relationship and they want to uh you know they have expectations on each end what 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 should the butler baseball community want to see and in turn what what would you want to see from the butler baseball community i think that hopefully they'll come out and see that we're going to play an exciting brand of baseball uh and our guys are going to compete every pitch and every out uh, I think they'll understand that's the expectation and we're going to hold our guys to that standard. Um, in return, I, I hope that they stick with us. Um, it, it's a long season. I hope that fans come out. I understand that there, uh, there needs to be a good product. I understand winning, winning cures a lot of ills. Um, but my hope will be that they'll understand how we're going about it and the daily process we're going through. Um, and they'll appreciate that our guys are going to give everything we have uh, to reach our goal of making it to the big East tournament. Do you set kind of, I, I don't know if internal is the right word, but do you set benchmarks for yourself and say, okay, this is a process. Year one, we want to be here. Year two, year five, we want to be here. Um, how do you kind of measure if, if you feel like you're doing the, the things that you need to do? Honestly, I'm I'm trying to uh, to stay short term, and, and I tell our guys day by day, just just if you can wake up, get through the day, and know that man, at the end of the day, you move the needle, you got better. We push this thing forward, job done, and, and just put together as many days like that in a row as we can. Um, and there's, I think it was last week. Last week we didn't do it. We we, we took a step backward. I I had to tell the guys, hey, we, we didn't get better today. So we had put, I think, probably like nine straight great days together, and then we took a step back. And so now we're on a streak. We're trying to put another nine together and, and keep moving it. Um, but if we just do it day by day and, and fall in love with get better today and then tomorrow get better than that, that's our our benchmark. That's our expectation. Um, not to say we, we don't want to win every game. We, we want to move X amount of spaces in the standings. That's all – that's all real, but the only thing we can control is right now. And so we're really trying to just immerse ourselves in getting better today. Um, tomorrow will take care of itself. The season will take care of itself, but only if we take care of right now, which is what we're focusing on. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Coach Blake Beamer, Butler University Baseball. Again, a, a, an amazing leader who is about to take over a, a program, and we're really, really excited. Well, he's taking over a program, and they're they're in it, so we're really excited about it. Coach, we're going to switch gears before we get you out of here. You were an outfielder. Who 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 are your favorite all time baseball outfielders? Who who'd you look at and say that guy? is a guy I want in my, in, in my outfield. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., right? The kid, I mean, that's – he's one of the best to ever do it. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then I grew up – I mean, if, if I had a three of when I was growing up that I loved – Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Junior is the first-round pick. Uh, Tory Hunter would be the next one. I like uh, it. I like it. He's as good as it gets. And then Vladimir Guerrero because the cannon – uh, I mean, he could absolutely throw the heck out of it, and it was just fun to watch. Um, and then how fearless Vlad played, uh, I really enjoyed. Um, you got your your next tier of guys that would be like Eric Davis and Jimmy Edmonds because those guys, man, you got some athletic dudes out there. But Junior, Hunter, and Vlad were my three growing up. You, Coach, you were an outfielder. If you could face any pitcher at any era, uh, who would you want to face? Give me Bobby Gibson. I want to see it. Oh, geez. Could, really? <laughs> they, they changed that that might be right? that like, might be a first. I don't think no, I'm saying no, I don't know if anybody wants to face Bob Gibson. That, that might I mean, be a first. He he changed the game. I mean, it just he was that dominant. I want to see how good was it. That uh pretty from from historical standpoints, we know it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. good. I, I want to see it, I want to test it. Let's let's go. I, all right, I tell my friends, I, I tell my, I ask my friends this all the time, um, and we have, we have this kind of running game, but, it, you, but you're, you're, you're a former D1 player, so this might be different for like the average layman. Pedro Martinez in his prime, yep. you get, you get fifty pitches. Now he can throw anything at any location, but you get fifty pitches. How many would you put in play? Cool. <laughs> Pedro in his prime. Right. I've got to. I've got to put it in fair territory. Fair territory. Yes, got to put it in play. I wasn't that good of a player. Like, I'm telling you, man. Um, oh, that's great. Five's generous. I'm not sure. I'm putting five in play. I'm. I'm not too cocky to say that I'm better than Pedro. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, you got big leaguers who didn't. Who right, right. You have fifty. You get fifty pitches. pitches. You get fifty pitches. Man. That's funny. Yeah, we'll we'll set the over under at three and a half, and it's a push probably. That'll be close. That's funny. Um, it's so much, so much changing in the game, and it's been well documented. From you know, it, it seems like every opening day, it's well documented about the changing number of African Americans in the major leagues. Um, obviously, with the high water marks in the early '80s, that was still only about nineteen and twenty percent, but which which was you know, seems like a million to right. what we're looking at now, which is about 8% in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball has done a lot of things, um, and it seems like some of those things are really, really kind of turning fruit. If you looked at this year's Major League Baseball draft, I want to say mm -hmm. like five out of the first six are African-American, American-born yep. players. Like they, they've got a lot. Do you think in regards to people that have just followed the game, love the game, do you think that there's enough being done to get – young black players to play or do you think we should be doing more i think enough is always a tough one right i mean um 
you can always do more and the the sense is you, you can always do more but i think it's nice that there's more being done today than there was five years ago uh and hopefully if we can keep doing that we'll keep growing the game um but is there enough being done no i i'd say probably not i think the the financial aspect of travel baseball um it's still prohibitive uh i think the um the cost of the 11.7 is still prohibitive. It, it makes it tough for, for college baseball. I think the NIL is going to help. Um, I think you're going to see more money into uh, big time college, college baseball programs, which is going to help persuade uh, athletes, I think, to stick with baseball longer. Um, so I think that's good. And I think the grassroots stuff from the RBI uh, and stuff like that from Major League Baseball is great but I think we can always keep getting better. We can do more of the conversation, even just more conversations. I think conversations are great. Uh, opening eyes are great. Getting uh, awareness that, hey, the game needs diversity, uh, things like that um, can always be continued. That's awesome. Coach, this has been a pleasure. I'm going to get you out of here on, on this last question because you're in fall season, you're practicing, you're about to start your fall schedule on Saturday. Best of luck. This is not the time for you to take any breaks, unwind, relax in any way whatsoever. But with all that's coming at you and everything, you know, in many ways being new and 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 having this kind of pillar of your career start now, how do you find any type of balance? Like, how do you uh, kind of make sure that you're the best coach Beamer you can be? Balance is probably not my strong suit. Those who know me would probably agree with that. Um, yeah, if I figure that out, I'll let you know. Oh, geez. I, oh, I, love, well, I love what I do, and I haven't worked a day in my life yet, so it doesn't feel like a, a job or anything. So we're still rolling trying to figure it out. Well, that's, that's a good feeling to have. Coach, we're going to be following you closely. We wish you the very best of luck. It is so exciting to have coaches like you in Division One baseball at places like Butler. Tell everybody that's listening where they can follow uh, the Butler baseball program. Yeah, so uh, on Twitter, Butler's at ButlerUBaseball. Um, same for the Instagram. And then follow myself at, at BTBeam. That's B-T-B-E-E-M. And then 2-4 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and come out to Indianapolis. Come out and see us. We're going to play a competitive schedule and we play a, a fun, exciting brand of baseball. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. Best of luck as you continue on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mixtape Talk. It's it's awesome. We're going to continue to have these conversations with some of the uh, best coaches around the country and best players and all kinds of executives. So it'll be a lot of fun as you keep watching. And until next time, see you. Wake up in the morning, yawning, crack a tone, and I say my prayer.